الصبح بدا بدا الصبح بدا بدا الصبح بدا بدا الصبح بدا الصبح بدا بدا الصبح بدا بدا الصبح بدا بدا الصبح بدا الصبح بدا من طلعته والليل دجا من وفرته فأقر رسلا فضلا وعلا أهدى السبلا بدلالته فأقر رسلا فضلا وعلا أهدى السبلا بدلالته الله كنز الكرم مولى النعم هذه الأمم بشريعته Yes, I just gone 7.18 Central African time. Let's welcome a pious and sagacious Ummah with a hearty As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Ramadan is ebbing people. Palestine is burning. There is a genocide that's being perpetrated there. Hearts are bleeding. You know, we are emotional. We're feeling it. And we are so, so impotent. Those Palestinians are left all alone. But look at the bravery, people. These people that will be documented as true Mujahids. And what is the neighboring states doing? What is Saudi doing? What is Egypt doing? Hey, we're only talking. Where is the Pakistani army? Where is the Turkish garrison? Where is it? Where's Indonesia? Where's Malaysia? Hey, those Afghani fighters cease everything, Taliban. Make unity. Get there. Get to Palestine. All of you, get to Palestine. Hey, the Kashmiris. The hundred million Muslims or more in India, all we all should be marching to Palestine. But Alhamdulillah, we are, this is a litmus test for all of us. Let's make that dua. And you know, before I choke, let's start up with the eyes from the Novel Quran. So glory to Allah when you enter the night and when you enter the morning. Surah 30 verse 17. You alone we worship. And you alone, we ask for how Surah 1, verse 4. Yeah. So our bodies burnt, cinded, eh? dropping live, live ammunition, firepower on a concentration camp which has no airport, which has no harbor, which has no uh, exit. Eh? This is how these cowards are fighting. And what, uh, you know, so-called civilized countries of this world. Let's talk to Europe. You should be ashamed. All of you, these few Muslims are crying, but you are not crying. You're not crying. Besides the Scottish and those Irish people, we embrace you. We celebrate you. But what about the others? You're acquiescing in silence over a genocide, over innocent people that are praying in a mosque, that are in a holy place. And you're just acquiescing in silence. Allah will be the judge. Sabiha, assalamu alaikum and tell me how you're doing. Alhamdulillah, Chef. I was in a different kind of mood, but when I listened to that very sound perspective you've given us on Palestine, you just kind of jolted me into serious this 
seriousness this morning and really what Palestine has done in the current situation is that it's really rallying the Ummah. People are really so aware and they're making so much dua. And Sheikh, when you spoke about Palestine being all alone, mm. it just made me think of a verse that I had read in the Quran. Everyone will be familiar with that line, you know. It talks about mere embryos in your mother's womb. You're there in your mother's womb all alone and even you know in those very initial stages not even the mother or the father knows you are there in that womb only the creator who placed us there knows we there and this was an entity of flesh that was clinging and when are you going to cling chef you're going to cling when you're insecure when you are unsure when you are afraid that's when you are going to start clinging this vibrant entity of flesh you know, it was uncertain, but who was there with us in the womb was our creator. Allah was with us in that womb, was with us when we were all alone and unsure. And the same can apply in the Palestinian concept. We must just keep on clinging to Allah and he will see us through. Definitely Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one, yeah, and divine decree will prevail. But I've got a gut feeling, people. i got a gut feeling that, you know, this time Israel or the Zionist state has gone in a bit, bit, bit too far. They have done it, and with multimedia, the world is watching. And I think if you have conscience, O West, if you have conscience, you'll all rally around the Palestinians, and enough is enough. No, not words. Actions, real actions. Take those perpetrators to the international courts. Take those perpetrators and sanction them, like how you sanction South Africa for its apartheid uh, regime. Start sanctioning Israel now, 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 immediately, and then we'll see what will happen. Yes, sir, Sam, here, you know what, uh, things like this happen, we're getting emotional, and there is that emotional attachment to that place because of, it's a holy site. That's where mm-hmm. Ibrahim, alayhi salam, went, our Nabi Muhammad, sallallahu from that mosque went for Miraj, and this is a, a place where you know, prophets are buried, and this is where you have a devilish regime doing such heinous crime. Yes, Chef, they've pushed things too far. They've extended the throw of the rope that's been allocated to them. And definitely more and more people are realizing that it's not an Islamic issue. It is a humanitarian issue. And that emotion for Al-Aqsa, Chef, it's, it's this positive emotion. It's a good emotion. It's an, an emotion of solidarity with the Ummah. So we just keep on clinging to that solidarity as well. Chef, I got very excited when I read a few lines in the Quran. And I just opened on this page to share with the Ummah. And when I read the last line, you will know why I got so excited. And it was going on about this, um, about the life germ which is lodged in the womb, and that it is he who causes the second creation, and that it is he who gives wealth and security, and that it is he who is the Lord of Sirius. So, Chef, I had to get excited for that <laughs> and share it with everyone this morning. Yes, sir. Yeah, you should take that line and, you know, put it all over. The Lord of Sirius, the shining star, that beautiful star, like this mashallah radio station broadcasting to the four corners of the globe, but here from Ikuruleni on FM. And alhamdulillah, this is how we should all be. We should be like that shining star in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, each believer, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took his time to create us. Sabia said you were in the womb all alone. Yes, we were all alone. But who was giving us that fashion? Who was making us into that masterpiece? Because each human being that is created has a different, uh, you know, fingerprint, has a different brain pattern. Each human being, being Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, gives him the power of thought, the power of thinking. Eh? And you as a masterpiece, sometimes you make the choice 
of not being a masterpiece. You just want to be a shelf piece. Or you just want to be, or you want to go to pieces. Eh? Do the thinking, people. Go deep. And alhamdulillah, feel the pain of your brothers. Feel. Is there a ummah? Let's be honest here. Is there a ummah here? You'll find some people actually saying, oh, there's Palestinians, they don't do this and they don't do that and they go here. How can you talk like that? Because the fact is that they are Muslims and they are being perpetrated, the, the, the genocide is being perpetrated by who? By a Zionist state on people that read the kalima, la ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. That is the bottom line. Ibrahim Jengad, rahimullah, told me, Erekin Shaf, when I went to Palestine, you know, I had so many stories. But in Gaza, Shaf, I saw these soldiers with the Quran in one hand and the gun in one hand. You know how I changed my mind, Shaf? I heard lots of propaganda. But when I was there, I said, wow, look at Hezbollah, the party of Allah. They strike fear into, into uh, the hearts of the enemies. But you know what? The own Muslim brothers are letting them down, Shaf. Egypt, you know, putting a blockade, not opening the Gaza Strip. Uh, these Zionists are building walls and bo- uh, barbed wires round and round them. No one says anything. Muslim states all around. We're only talking, talking. No one is walking the talker, Sabia. Yes, Chef, and over the years that um, sentiment filtered through, I don't know from which sector of the Islamic community or from where it originally emerged, but they used to say the Palestinians are being punished because mm. they were not practicing yeah. Islam properly. I mean, who were they ever to judge? Yeah. And when we see visuals of Palestine, we only see the men running to the mosque, even with those guns pointed at them. They're running to the mosque. And the women always are, the footage is always of women with their scarves on them and innocent children. So whoever um, circulated that sentiment should be ashamed of themselves for ever even having said that. Yeah. You know what? If you are spreading sentiments like that, are you captured by the Zionist Brigade? Are you part of the mouthpiece when you talk like that? Be the mujahid. Be someone that talks. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Haq and Baathil. Baathil, Allah will smash into smithereens. And Haq, Haq, truth will prevail. And these are people of truth. These are people that, you know, their land has been usurped. They have been, you know, their dignity has been taken away. But look at them in this you know, torrid time, they still have the faith intact. They haven't lost it. No one can buy them. No money cannot buy them. They're there and they're fighting for a just just cause. You don't take our land. You don't come and kick us out. And this whole thing started off, they went straight for Masjid al-Aqsa. Who went for it? The IDF. The, the, you know, the, the violence was just unreal. It was uh, not uh, proportionate. And then... When he, they saw the reaction of these uh, Palestinians, that started, now they, I knew they will use this uh, tactic. It's going to be Ramadan, they're going to go for them, they'll try and instigate them, and now they started with firepower. Who's going to stop them? Why, uh, where's the superpowers, the so-called great superpowers that want to police the world? Well, if what's going to happen, divine decree, when he unleashes his, his power, you'll see all these, those that are culpable, and those are in that part, and who are with this regime? Well, wait for it. Allah is coming. Chef, and people are at their most dangerous when they have nothing left to lose. Mm. And the Palestinians have nothing to lose. Their focus is on the Creator. They've lost it all. And that's when people become dangerous. And that is why they are focusing so heavily on them now. Because they know they're at a stage now where they can overturn and cause havoc in the Middle East. Chef, I watched a video clip of a very senior um, Christian man in America last night. And he was talking out against what's being done to the Palestinians. 
and they cautioned him and said, you know what, you are using an expression which the American state has now banned, and I'm not going to use that word, but he said, I don't care. I have seen 14-year-old youths being shot in the head. I'm saying what I'm saying, and if they have a problem with me and infringing on my right to speak up, they can come and get me, they can come and kill me, but I'm sticking to what I say, and it's wrong. It's fundamentally wrong what you are doing to Palestine. Yes, sir. Definitely fundamentally wrong. And inshallah, inshallah, in this few days to go in Ramadan, pray fervently and pray because we don't have our Ummah people. We don't have it. The longest Palestine is not free. We don't have the Ummah. The only day we will see a true Ummah when there's freedom. Shaf, this has really made you very emotional and it's good positive emotion. I can tell you Shep is sitting with tears running down his eyes at the moment. But we need to have this kind of emotion because this is the kind of emotion that rallies unity and makes us a united entity to face the enemy. Shep, when you recover yourself, you can take the mic and continue. I'm going to go on a very much lighter note. This is something many of you may have read. Um, it's something I said to my mom, and my mother is very particular about what she reads. She doesn't have time to read nonsense, but she really enjoyed the humor in this, and she actually commented a thumbs up, and she said, excellent. So let me share that with you. And my mother will be listening because she's a great fan of the station and the program. Um, it says, a, man, a mechanic was removing a cylinder head from an engine when he spotted a well-known cardiologist in his shop waiting for the service manager. The mechanic shouted across to the garage, Hey, Doc, want to take a look at this? The cardiologist, a bit surprised, walked over to where the mechanic was working. The mechanic straightened up, wiped his hands on a rag and asked, So, Doc, look at this engine. I open its heart. I take the valves out. I repair any damage. And then I put them back in. And when it's finished, it just works like brand new. So how come I make, uh, I hope I don't read like Zuma now, 39... Um, thousand six hundred and seventy-five yeah. dollars a year, and you get the really big bucks of one million six hundred and ninety-five seven five nine pounds a year when you are doing basically the same work. And the cardiologist paused and smiled and leaned over. Then he whispered to the mechanic, "Try doing it with the engine running." Wow! Isn't that something to think about, Jack? When the doctor performs the operation. Everything is still working, whereas when mm. the mechanic, everything is still right. and he's doing the job. Yeah. You know what will happen then, Yusuf? Yeah, the pistons will take control of his fingers. Well, you know, yeah, on that uh, emotional note, I can tell you that what tugged at me there, Sabiha, was how are we going to answer Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of Qiyamah? When you say you were there, you were there, this was happening. I made it even easier for you to see it on your, on your, on your phone. Every second you were seeing footage. Were you desensitized to it? How many of you are just skipping it? Say, ah, no, man, I had enough of this. You cannot say that. You know, the, 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 oh, it had to tug uh, at me, but inshallah, Allah accept my sincerity and uh, inshallah, our du'as that everything will come right. You really gave us a chuckle with that uh, engine and it made a lot of sense where the, yeah, the opening up a, a body, the blood is still flowing, the heart is still beating. And you know what? It's not an easy thing. Absolutely, Sabah. Yes, Chef, it was a real good analogy there. Chef, and we're talking about are we going to answer to Allah, but our hands are pretty much tied. I mean, what are we actually going to do? There's no coordination. There's no no, no um, effective rallying mm-hmm. to bring everyone there to Palestine. So in the meantime, it's just our tears and our du'as that will have to suffice, and at least we are doing that. 
Yeah, inshallah, Allah make it easy for our brothers and sisters there in Palestine and also in all the other war-torn countries that that's happened to be Muslim lands. They're dividing us people. The divide and rule is a shaitanic force that is forcing Muslims to do this. And unfortunately, we're falling prey to these uh, elements that are making the waswisu. So I'll your parting words this morning. I know even little children are aware of what's going on in Palestine over the years. They've done little skits and little plays about Palestine. They formulated um, posters. They are very aware. So from those little children to the teenagers, to the young parents, to the older parents, to the grandparents, if we're all going to collectively lift our hands today and encourage those little children, get on the Muslim and make lots of dua for Palestine. Something's going to happen. Something positive is definitely going to come through. Inshallah, yes. And I can tell you our lineup this morning. Next, we'll be talking to Ahmad Manzur Sheikh Imam on the latest on the COVID-19 and the lockdown. And, you know, we're going to touch on this issue also. with Rafi Kassan coming on on uh, news and views. And, yes, he's someone that's very passionate about the topic. And, you know, we continue with the theme when uh, Sheikh Fahim will be talking about our emotional attachment to, um, you know, to that place, yeah, Al-Aqsa, our emotional attachment to Al-Aqsa, and then Abu Bakr, see that, hey, I can see that the whole theme is going to run on that, he'll join us on Muslim news, and there's only one news in the world, people, it's that part of the world, Palestine, Gaza, is all our thoughts and prayers, time for us to go for a break, and inshallah, we will continue after that. Provide dignity, safety and nourishment to millions of needy families in 14 countries across the globe this Ramadan by sponsoring towards the Africa Muslims Agency's More Than a Meal campaign. Sponsor a food hamper at 1,100 rands or an Ithar Suhoor meal box at 100 rands. Call Africa Muslims Agency on 011-834-8685 or donate.co.za. Africa Muslims Agency, inspiring the Spirits of giving. Mackenzie Pharmacy, there for your care. Our services, we are contracted to all medical aids, day-to-day scripts, OTC medication at PAT, monthly chronic scripts, free blood pressure and free sugar testing available on a Wednesday afternoon. Free and safe parking available. We are here to process your recovery and staying healthy, easy, affordable and convenient. Call 011-421-7673 or 011 9594 or email us at mckenziepharmacy at za. Mackenzie Pharmacy, there for your care. Broadcasting live from the East Rand, this is Sirius FM. 24 hours a day, sharing the peace and light of Islam. www.suriusfm.net Sahur 
Yes, so 7.36 Central African time. The story is, the picture is there. Everything is coming direct and live from Gaza there in Palestine. The Zionist regime, the apartheid state of Israel is gone. Ballistic people, ballistic. But joining us now is our very own Ahmed Manzur Sheikh Imam. You know, he's the leader of the NFP and also a member of parliament. He's someone that has been very, 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 very vociferous in parliament. He has taken up the issue. You'll notice that when Ahmed Manzur Sheikh Imam is in parliament, he has sometimes he has his Palestinians, uh, Palestinian scarf on and few of his colleagues also do that. But Ahmed, uh, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This morning, what goes through your mind beside the COVID and the lockdown? How are you feeling this morning, Ahmed? Well, it seems like Ahmed's uh, having a problem uh, with his phone. The, uh, the call got cut, maybe, yeah, he's emotional like me. Hey, Ahmed, are you back? Assalamu alaikum. Okay, we can't hear Ahmed. There's something wrong with his uh, line. But Alhamdulillah, as we said, we're all getting emotional. And they're looking at uh, the statement made by the EFF, uh, and uh, they have said uh, they are very... Uh, the EFF says they, uh, they... The EFF sadly takes note of the continued aggression and inflicting of pain by the racist Zionist uh, uh, apartheid state of Israel against the people of Palestine, evicting them from their homes, and uh, they uh, built out of sweat and hard work in, within their own land. So this is how what the um, EFF has made a statement and a lot of empathy and really uh, giving uh, the uh, apartheid regime a, uh, yeah, a big tongue lashing. Ahmed Manzur Sheikh Imam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I don't know what's happening, but uh, how are you this morning? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, my brother, beautiful morning in German. I couldn't hear you clearly a short while ago, and I think uh, I can hear you now clearly, though. Yeah, I tell you. Yeah, I think there's someone tapping your phone. Hey, what is this Ahmed <laughs> going to talk <laughs> What is going to talk about Palestine? What is going to say? Because you are someone... That Alhamdulillah, Summa Alhamdulillah brings up this issue at the highest level in Parliament, and you walk the talk, you know. And uh, many look at you and they say, "Hey, that's our man." Now, Ahmed, what's the latest on the lockdown and also the uh, COVID-19? Well, let me start off by saying, yes, indeed, uh, uh, today in Parliament there is an opportunity for motions and motions without notice, and of course, I will be tackling the issue of Palestine. But very importantly, I'm calling on all brothers and sisters to join the protest march that is taking place between Africa for Palestine and the Muslim Judicial Council and things. An announcement will be made sometimes today, expected to be either tomorrow or Thursday this week, a protest march in support of the people of Palestine. Three Muslim deaths reported in the last 24 hours, two of them in Gauteng, one in the Western Cape, 21 for the month of May 2000. 580 thus far. A large number of deaths, 90 reported in the last 24 hours, taking us to 54,825. And once again, it's a northwest province which had 33, 19 in the western Cape, 14 in the eastern Cape, 13 in the northern Cape, 5 in Gauteng, and 6 in Pumalanga. New infections, 1129, 
and that's as a result of the low number of tests. Only 18,000 tests were conducted in the last 24 hours. Positive cases have increased to 25,549, with a recovery rate averaging about 95%. 395,000 vaccines have been administered. Uh, thus far, most of the new infections or the positive cases at the moment in the country is from KwaZulu Natal, which is the highest, followed very closely by Gauteng and Free State, which have increased considerably both of these provinces. There are already experts talking about, you know, uh, putting in stricter lockdown measures in anticipation of the third wave. Uh, uh, you know, now that we have identified some of the other variants in the country at this point in time, uh, experts are basically saying that, you know, it might be the right thing to do. If you look at what has happened in India, it went up to 414,000 infections in one day. But health experts in India are basically telling us that it is five times at least worse than what we are getting. Uh, because they don't have the capacity to be able to test enough people and give proper steps in India. So it could be very well underestimated uh, in terms of the reporting that we are receiving. Mm. And then I look at the Swaziland Solidarity Network has condemned uh, King Iswati uh, uh, III. It's a wastage of Iswatini taxpayers' money uh, spent, on, uh, <laughs> spent on sending a closer protection security detail to accompany his nephew, Zulu King, Mrs. Zulu Kazuelatini, to South Africa, and uh, the security details was added amidst uh, amid threat that surfaced after the new king took over from the late King Goodwill Zulatini and Queen Mantamfomubi. Now, there's it. Uncle saying, hey, nephew, don't worry, I'm here for you. And I told you, Ahmed, it's a Swazi connection here. Your take? Well, indeed, uh, you know, remember, this is a uh, Kingdom Swat is a nephew, a sister's son, and uh, there is no doubt that there is a security threat to his life. If we know uh, what is, I mean, the history basically tells us, yes, he cannot be safe, any, you know, particularly in the near future. Uh, and so measures have to be taken in place, and obviously as the uncle, you know, he's not convinced that enough measures have been placed because, the, you know, Reports uh, indicate that uh, security and police were withdrawn, which puts his life in greater danger. And, uh, I mean, you know, one has to understand why would he then provide support for his nephew, because he believes it's absolutely imperative and necessary in the absence of South Africa itself providing. Now, others are arguing that, you know, there's enough money in the kingdom and he can deal with it. Yes, but I think he's also just taking control of it now. It'll take him a while and with all pending court cases coming, this can be a long-standing battle. There's no doubt about it. But remember, there are many movements in Swaziland uh, also uh, uh, pushing for, 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 for uh, change, constitutional and democratic challenges that they experience in, in Swaziland, and they are calling for, for uh, change in South Africa, I mean, in Swaziland. And uh, if you listen to the king... And I've had the opportunity of listening to him. He says he has what you call monarchiatric democracy or constituent in, in, in Swaziland. He says his leaders are elected by the people. They have a process that they follow. And he says to bluntly, 
you know, you have your problems in your countries, then you'll sort out your problems. Don't interfere in my country, Swaziland, because I have a, a, a democracy in my country more than you people have in your own countries. And that's basically <laughs> what he's saying. Uh, and he was very blunt about that it, it, at the SADC platforms that he's basically been, been, been saying that. And to some extent, they are elected by, um, some of the representatives are elected uh, by the people on the ground. I mean, I've been there, I've overseen that, and there's no doubt about it. But um, on, on, on a broader sense, I think that the uh, hold or the control that the king has in Swaziland uh, clearly indicates that that people are not free to conduct themselves and 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 openly, uh, you know, campaign and 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 bring about a change. Generally, people are saying, "No, hold on, we don't respect this kingdom. We don't want this rule of a king. Uh, we want to have a democratic country where we will, the people shall govern, the people shall decide who shall lead them, and whatever it is, you know." I mean, that is all in the name of democracy, and you can see in the name of democracy, to some extent, what has happened to us in our country. Yes, his father in Swati II was uh, very receptive to Islam, I believe. You know, Ahmad did that, and a few of his uh, delegation went to Swaziland uh, many, many years ago, and they had a very healthy discussion, and he showed a lot of respect for Islam. How's the new king, uh, I mean, uh, Swati III, uh, is he receptive to Islam, uh, Ahmad? Yeah, his father was King Sobuza II, and uh, he had many, many wives and many, many children, I can tell you. There was no doubt about it. And, uh, yes, but I think right now, uh, having spoken to some of our Muslim brothers and organizations in Swaziland, uh, I don't think they are, have enough freedom of religion in that country at this point in time. So, yes, indeed, I think under the control of his father, uh, there was a lot more, but now I think they're beginning to uh, consider, you know, Islam as a threat in Swaziland. And uh, as a result, there is some levels of restriction. Even though there are many, many uh, Islamic centers and masajid that are springing up in Swaziland, uh, but my understanding in engaging with them in the times that I have been in contact with them, that uh, there are uh, severe restrictions in place on the freedom of religion, particularly Islam in Yeah, you know, freedom of religion in South Africa, uh, we had a lot of foreigners coming, especially from Africa, West Africa, and all, a lot of Muslims have come in from subcontinent, and have added to the number of Muslims uh, that are here in South Africa. I don't know if you have the latest statistics of what's the figure or the number of Muslims that are uh, residing in South Africa, but in Swaziland, uh, the people are allowed to come from the subcontinent, and other parts of Africa and open up businesses, am right? Yes, they do. There, 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 there are many, many foreigners that are, have businesses and things in Swaziland. There's no doubt about that. But remember, Swaziland is a very, very... Uh, uh, it's a small economy. Uh, it's a small population. Uh, they have serious challenges there. Uh, but uh, the king controls that country with an iron fist. There's no doubt about that. And... But there is clearly restrictions in terms of business. There is restrictions in terms of uh, religion. Uh, uh, so it's not as free as one would think it is. And that is, again, I want to say, because they regard our people more as a threat rather than embracing our people, uh, you know, and, and that's it. But um, the king himself has, has, has been very steadfast in his beliefs. 
and, and what he believes in. And you'd find that um, even when he attends the SADC forums, uh, he speaks his mind. Uh, he's not afraid to basically do that. Uh, yeah. Anyway, enough of Swaziland. We look at our transport minister, Fikile Mbalula, has announced that a final decision on the future of accounting controversial e-toll system should be made later in May. However, business and labor groups believe the only solution is to scrap e-tolls permanently. Uh, presenting to the National Council of Provinces on Thursday, it was on the 6th May, uh, Imbulula said that the decision was still awaiting final approval by the cabinet. What's your views? Scrap e-tolls well, and forget it. Ahmed? Well, let me start off by saying, you know, South Africans already pay a very, very large levy, you know, in your fuel. And that includes, uh, you know, for roads and things. And this thing of continuously going out and burdening the taxpayers with additional cost and paying toll fees and things should not, and uh, you know, be, be, be accommodated. It is the responsibility of his government because I think our people are paying a substantial, if you compare the price of fuel in South Africa to many other countries and all our neighboring countries, you will find, and of course, all right, one of the reasons you find it being lower is, is that they don't have road accident funded in. But if you consider lower the levies that we pay uh, uh, for infrastructure development, particularly on the roads and things, you understand, I think it should be sufficient if it is not embezzled to be able to, to, to ensure that, you know, roads are maintained and, 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 and developed as well. So it is really an added burden on South African taxpayers who are already going through a very, very tough time uh, to be able to go out there and go and pay these toll fees. And the toll fees, I mean, if you travel just from Durban to Johannesburg, you've got a few hundred rand that you have to pay in toll fees. It's totally unacceptable, I think. So I agree with those that believe that it must be scrapped. In fact, there are lots and lots of people, I think, that are owing a lot of toll fees, and I think that should be scrapped. There's no doubt about it. But if we manage our resources better, okay, I think we may not need to put this added burden on road users. Absolutely, Ahmed. If you look at that 178 billion rands, uh, you know, uh, used by uh, by ESCOM, you know, they awarded tenders uh, to uh, the utility ESCOM over the past, uh, all these tenders, 178 billion down the drain. And as it is said it is enough money, for example, to fully vaccinate the entire South African population with the COVID-19 shot. Roughly, roughly, wait for this, Ahmed, 20 times over. So look at this country, wasted 178 billion rands on the ESCOM debacle. Your thoughts? Well, are we surprised? No. Even that is still the tip of the iceberg. If you look at the amount, trillions of rands, as for example, in South Africa has gone into the hands of a few people. And, and big business continue to benefit from this. And those connected to leaders have been benefiting for a long period of time. And I think this is exactly the point we have been making, that if we could just you know, uh, put measures in place and close those gaps in terms of, or a particularly in the procurement field, where you make sure you get, you know, value for money, alone you're going to be saving 300 billion rand in the country annually. Uh, you know, 
So if you look at that, if you look at the, the, the fact that, you know, and, and the problem comes there, Brother Shepard, where an item that costs 10 rand, you might be paying 100 rand for. And the reason for that is there are all these middlemen, including the political parties, like President Zuma and uh, Cyril Ramaphosa has said, that when they receive money, they don't return it. So in order to accommodate these political parties, to accommodate all those middlemen in this corrupt and deal, it means you have to escalate the price because nobody is going to go into business and 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 and, and procure attendance and 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 not make enough money out of it. So you know, if he has to make enough for himself, then all these other people won't benefit and he won't get the job. So for him to get the job, he's got to accommodate them all. Means he has to increase the prices, and that's what they are doing. And that's where all this money is going. For if you look at the price we've been paying for coal and things like that, it's ridiculously high. There are thirty and forty year you know, a contract that are continuing up to today. That's why we call them the evergreen contract. They are continuing and very little or nothing is done. And big business appears to be benefiting from it. Sad indeed, Ahmed. And we, then we look at the ANC National Executive Committee has ordered suspended Secretary uh, General Ace Magashula to apologize for his letter of suspension to President Cyril Ramaphosa. Ramaphosa said if Magashula refused uh, to do so, disciplinary steps will be uh, taken. And uh, there have also been revelations of serious threats against ANC staffers. Uh, okay, what's going on here? Cyril Ramaphosa said, you apologize, otherwise I will take serious steps. What are those serious steps, uh, Ahmed? Well, first of all, I think they're talking about if he does not apologize, then I think he is going to be uh, perhaps expelled from the party and things like that. Uh, uh, that's basically what they are threatening him. But I want to tell you that... Um, the problems in the ANC has just begun. And some of these people are not going to take it very lightly. Even those that now are turning against Aisma Gushule are all doing it because they are concerned about the risks attached to their own positions uh, because of the power that uh, President Ramaphosa is yielding at the moment. However, remember, they've got two very important conferences that are coming up. And that conferences will decide eventually. I mean, there's even a leadership one that's coming up for 2022. So clearly it indicates that, that, that he, he, President Ramaphosa is planning his way forward to keep all those that he believes might be strong contenders out. Okay. But ultimately we must not forget that it is the branches that are going to decide. So one has got to be very, very careful. And those that are wounded, you know, are not going to just sit back and do very little or nothing about it. They're going to come back, uh, guns blazing. And more importantly, if decisions are taken to imprison uh, 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 former President Zuma, uh, I can tell you now you're going to find that, that, that they all are going to start working together and take on. And uh, I think if, uh, President Zuma has got uh, a lot of support on the ground. There is no doubt about it. Esma Gashula has got ground support as well. Uh, you've got Gandhi Legumede who's got her support. You've got a whole lot Supra that's got his own. So all these people take on their support together and as a united front. It can be very destructive to the African National Congress. And I hope that they can get their house in order because what happens in the ANC is clearly impacting on the country as well. Where I have a serious problem with them is that they're asking these people to step aside because of corruption, but they're also admitting that the party itself has been receiving stolen money or unlawful, you know, and, 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 and they think it is okay. So I'm, 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 and which is what I'm going to highlight. 
you know, in, 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 in the debates that are unfolding shortly, the budget debates, I mean, it, 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 I mean, it's highly unethical for anyone to say, yes, we receive the money and, and, and we don't return it because we need the money. Yeah, on a lighter note, you know, when uh, Soli Noor was at the function where Sulu Ramaphosa, according to Yusuf, he was reading Tarawi, but he was more Maghrib Salah. And uh, when you're sitting with our good friend uh, Soli Noor, and Soli gave him an envelope and he pointed to the put it in the box. And uh, some people started speculating, oh, there's a box going there and uh, so forth and so forth. But actually, it was a letter from uh, the uh, from the organizers giving him, uh, you know, a, a thank you letter. And your good friend, uh, Hanif Lunat, you know, posted on Facebook and people, the popular dance, he said, hey, stop making fitna in Ramadan. What was your thoughts on that, Ahmed? No, clearly, uh, I wouldn't expect anybody even if you want to give him money, it would be a foolish thing to go and give him in full view of the media and everything else. <laughs> Clearly, it would have been a letter of thank you or appreciation and whatever it is. I mean, that's what you would expect it to be. But, uh, you know, how the media distorts what happens and how people perceive things, uh, it, it can really be very damaging, to be honest to you. So, yes, I I certainly don't believe it was anything more than just a letter of gratitude and or thanks uh, from Brother Soli Noor, clearly. And the other issue is which I think we must uh, highlight, and maybe uh, the Ummah and our brothers and sisters, they can assist us in fighting corruption in the country. We all know the serious challenges we have with crime, and we know that the, that the police... Uh, don't have the capacity to be able to deal with. If you look in the Western Cape alone, in the last three years and 229 incidents in one year, in the last year, 2020, uh, 800 of the Western Cape police officers have been found to have abused state vehicles. And, and I'm asking our brothers and sisters to be very vigilant here because let me tell you, you will always find the police officers are taking these vehicles, and, and many other government departments, you find it all the time. They are taking these state vehicles, they're taking them home, the vehicles park there overnight, they take their family shopping, they're using it to go pick up children from school and drop off children, and they're doing all kinds of things. And I think we need to, when we observe these things, we must take down the details, take out pictures and report these things. Vehicles that should not be from one area should not be going into another area unless somebody is doing some kind of investigation. But generally, police vehicles under visible policing, I think they should not be moving from one area. They have the areas to actually cover. So when you find them there, take down the details and report it. Take down them, because if you do that, you're going a long way in helping us to create a more efficient police uh, law enforcement in this country. And what about uh, municipal vehicles? You know, you, you see these guys driving it as if they're driving a Ferrari or a Porsche. I mean, they're breaking all speed limits and they act on the freeway. They tail you. And when you look into the into your rearview mirror and you, you get a shock, it's a municipal vehicle, uh, you know, uh, driven by a road hog. What do you do then, Ahmad? Exactly the same thing. You know, I want to tell you, you will find them abusing these vehicles. They believe this is theirs. It is not theirs. They should be using it for the work uh, designated to them during working hours and make sure the vehicles are parked up. I mean, I, you know, I, I think I did say on the radio station recently how I found this woman coming to pick up the children, but I, I see that vehicle does not come there anymore. I've had a chat with her and I told her what you're doing is wrong. You will lose your job, your income, your family will suffer. Think about these things. But very importantly, with your permission, if I can tell you, I've seen 
a, poli- a, a municipal vehicle the other day, and he goes up there to pick up a sex worker in one of the most ugliest lanes you can actually find. He goes there, and I stopped there to take a picture of it, and the woman wanted to throw a brick over into the, my windscreen. You know? wow. so, so, so you can see that the abuse of these vehicles, it's rife. I want to tell you, it's absolutely right. And I think we all have a responsibility. Because often you find them saying there's no vehicles. When, you, when there's a call out, there's no vehicles, right? This is our opportunity that wherever it is, any vehicle, as long as it is a state vehicle, it should be used for the purpose it is intended. They should not be using these vehicles uh, for their own personal use. I mean, we all have our vehicles, and that's it. They get paid, and they must use their own vehicles for their personal work. So, yes, I don't have a problem if they, during their lunch period, stopped at the shop and went to get something to eat. They are human beings. They're also entitled to do that. I can understand that. But when they start abusing it, I think it becomes a problem, and I think we must play a role, uh, uh, you know, as the community in dealing with this thing and reporting it so that they can... I can tell you you're going to get some announcements. Five police officers, that's one. Five police officers in the Point Police Station has now been charged... Okay, and they, they, and you'll find the report coming up soon. Uh, they were found going to a certain bar, certain parts of the of the night, and collecting alcohol and things like that, which they should not have been going there in the first place. And 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 also, there was in the South Beach area a a fellow that was a, a criminal that was uh, or suspect that was uh, detained by the security company, taken through to the police station for him to be charged for stealing cell phones. They had found the cell phone. The police refused to charge him, refused to, to all three officers that were on duty, refused to charge him, even though when questioning him, they found that he was now going to tell them about the entire syndicate that he works with. He was actually spelling out the names of those that are working with him in stealing the cell phones all over in the South Beach area and the beachfront area itself. Okay, they refused to charge him, and I have intervened on the matter, and now they both, all three of them, uh, police officers, have been charged as well, because they failed to do what they're supposed to do. Brilliant work, Ahmed, and very graphic indeed this morning. Lucky the windscreen didn't get another brick in the windscreen. <laughs> hey, that would have been bad. Ahmed, beautiful indeed, your parting words are this morning. Yes, uh, well, you know, uh, my message to our brothers and sisters is very simple. Yeah, experts are saying the third wave is coming. They're already talking about a lockdown that might be. We have got the celebration of Eid this week, and I know our people are going to go out and meet our families and friends and go to the graveyards and things. All I am pleading with us is to just, you know, not uh, lose sight of the fact that the virus is still very much of us. There is a third wave anticipated, which they say could be a lot worse than what it is. And remember, we have lowered our guard, even in the health sector at this stage. And if we do get one that is going to be severe, we might find ourselves in a position of weakness. So I think, please, that when we do go, no hugging, no kissing, no shaking hands. I think we're going to need to, you know, be a little distant when we go to our families and friends. I think it might help us a long way in trying to just contain this virus. We are in a winter period, and that's what makes it a lot more riskier for new people. Well, we really enjoy you, Ahmed, and I'm sure you enjoy us. We have a very reciprocal relationship. Allah keep you. And we'll talk to you tomorrow this time. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
Yes, Brother Shafat, just the last one, the March protest that is taking place in the Western Cape. I'm pleading with brothers and sisters to come out there in our numbers for this Muslim Judicial Council and Africa for Palestine protest march that is taking in support of our Palestinian brothers and sisters. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And uh, yeah, that's a noble plea. At least we can't be there, but show it in our marching. Yeah, marching. You're showing your solidarity with the people of Palestine. Well, time for us to go for a break. When you get back, Rafi Hassan will be joining us on News and Views. Ramadan is a spiritual journey. And one of the best ways to seek the Lord of the Worlds is by serving the sick, hungry and thirsty. This Ramadan, the Al-Imdad Foundation gives you the opportunity to serve those in need in 40 countries globally. Let's seek the Lord of the Worlds through serving His creation. Sponsor a Ramadan food handler for just 600 rand. Donate your zakat, lila or sadaqah online at alimdad.com or via the Al-Imdad Foundation's mobile app. For more information, call us on 0861-786-243. Broadcasting live from the East Rand, this is Sirius FM. 24 hours a day, sharing the peace and light of Islam. www.seriousfm.net Eight or five Central African time, that time of the morning, we joined by our very own Rafi Kassan on News and Views. Rafi, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And tell me how you're doing this fine and beautiful morning. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, all well. Last uh, two days or so left for Ramadan and things are not looking too good in the Middle East either. Yeah, you know, you're reading things. I uh, got an article in front of me. It says, I'm so sick of deep concerns and investigations into the so-called conflict. It's not uh, some mystery you need a PhD to unravel. Israel is throwing Palestinians out of their homes and land uh, solely and exclusively because they are not Jewish. This is a they sinning against uh, humanity. And Turkey's presidential spokesman, Karlin, urges Israel to stop attacking Palestinians in Jerusalem and prevent occupiers from entering the Holy Mosque as he calls on the world to take action to this aggression. And Rafik, I was just thinking aloud, imagine if uh, the uh, Pakistani army was there, the uh, Turkish uh, garrison, Malaysia sent its army, those Talibans, and they all stopped fighting in Afghanistan, and they came to the fore there, and, you know, all Iraq, and uh, you get uh, Iraq coming through, and also the Iranians, they're getting their differences, and all came there and made a statement, or went into battle, and, and Egypt got its mm. act together, what would Israel will be? They would be shivering in their pants. But presently, we are an impotent or impotent ummah. We don't even have a ummah. We should be ashamed, Rafik. I don't know. This is. I got so emotional thinking of how we have been divided, and uh, you know the, uh, the, the the evil mm-hmm. people of this world, or these conglomerates and these colonizers. Are, they have kept us busy doing our own things in our nation state, that we forget the greater picture, that we are one ummah, reading the one kalima. But what are we, Rafiq? Israel, as long as Palestine is not free, there is no ummah. Your comments, Rafiq. Well, Brother Shafat, I think, like you, you know, uh, and us, uh, you know, there are millions of people around the world, and mind you, not only Muslims, 
who are very, very upset and, and, and fuming, uh, you know, at uh, what is going on in the Middle East right now. In, you know, with impunity in the broad daylight of history and the powers that be who can intervene are just keeping quiet. You know, they're keeping mum about the whole thing. It is annoying. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, we've got to give credit to, to uh, uh, Scotland. I mean, a country like Scotland stands up and, and tells them, you know, it's a shame on you. It's, it's against international law to attack religious places and religious sites. But uh, he says it's a, it's a bigger shame on Israel, and you're doing it in the month of Ramadan, you know, when it's the holy month of the Muslims. Imagine a Christian Scottish, uh, you know, MP government is, 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 is speaking out, and as you are rightfully saying, where is Saudi Arabia in this whole thing, you know? Uh, where is Egypt? You know, let's talk over the ones that's closest by who talk a fat lot with the dollars, but where are they with, with, the, with these human rights atrocities, uh, you know, are being perpetrated? It exposes the monafikans. These are hypocrites of the first order. We've got to say it as it is, Brother Shafat. You know, there's a verse in the Quran which says that those who side, you know, those who take, uh, you know, these Zionist, uh, you know, uh, elements as the allies, Allah says they are one of them. In the eyes of Allah, you are no different from the Zionist perpetrators who are in, allied in cahoots and in bed with them. And we know exactly the position of Saudi Arabia uh, and Egypt and this neighboring says They are all lackeys. They are all uh, stooges in the pocket of the Zionist Israeli lobby. Uh, we know that. And you're not going to rely on them and you're not going to get any help from them. But I think, Brother Shafat, the good news, the good news is that I think the world has caught up with their lies. The world is fed up with the atrocities. And I think it's about time. I like your point when you say, what if? I like your what if scenario. You know, what if just one of these Muslim countries, uh, uh, you know, just comes and intervenes and say, look, I can't take it any longer. I'm coming in the side uh, of the Palestinians. Defend this defenseless uh, you know, children, man. They are killing children. They are killing women. They are uh, taking the, uh, removing them physically out of their homes. This is daylight robbery taking place in the full daylight of history. It is on our television sets and on our screens, and the world is not lifting up to their finger even to move against Israel. This is the power of the Zionist lobby. And I think it's time something has to give in, Brother Shafat. I think for too long we've been allowing this monster of Zionism, you know, to, to, to control the world and to gag us. You know, this, this mask and this, this lockdown, it seems as if in a way, you know, it's working in the favor of the Zionists uh, and the colonizers of this world. In a way, you put your mask and you shut your mouth and they're gagging you. And I think it's time that we, we, we smell the coffee, uh, you know, the, 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 the Battle of Badr, we spoke about it. The Battle of Badr took place in the blessed month of Ramadan. You know, it is showing you that, uh, you know, and you've got to admire the spirit, Brother Shafat. Whether you like it or not, you've got to take off your cap for the Palestinians who and the youngsters and the ladies and the women that, you know, despite all the odds against them, they are showing that they are showing their, their, their nerves. They are showing their iman. They are showing their, their, their standing up, their fearlessness in the might of the oppressor. And this is what the Rasul Salam said, you know, through jihad, the true martyr, 
the true uh, spirit of resistance is when you can stand up in the face of the oppressor with all his might and stand up against him. And this, the world is showing, the Palestinians are showing the world what it, what is courage. They are showing it to us and shame on the world who can do something and who are doing nothing. You know, Rafiq, it reminds me of the hadith of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam where he said, you know, uh, even the rock will tell you there's a Yahudi behind me when their, their persecution comes again. And uh, they will have no place to hide. And I think they're actually writing their own script now for that scenario to uh, come to the fore. I mean, it's all, you know, it's pointing to that, Rafiq. What's your thoughts? Yeah, you, you see, this, this is actually, you know, desperate times for them. You know, we spoke yesterday about this, you know, Brother If you look at it clinically and rationally and without emotion, the real thing that is happening, you know, uh, I give an example of when you say the time is near. Well, you know, what happens to a crook who's in a shop or in a house and, and, and he's been there for half an hour and suddenly a, the neighbors have realized and the alarms bells went off and the police are on the way. What happens to that crook now? He's got few minutes to grab, to smash and grab the last few things and make his beeline and get away because, the, the, you know, the, the, the police are on the way. And that's exactly what's happening in Israel right now, in occupied Palestine. The world has caught up. The, the, the world's army is starting, the world's conscience is starting to wake up. And very soon, something is going to give. Very soon, one country is going to defy the United Nations in potency. You know, and the United Nations partisan and America's biased and partisan towards Israel. And one of the other countries is going to come in and say, enough is enough. And the, and the, and the Zionists know this. And this, this Zionist Israel and uh, colonial, colonizing and occupying the, the Palestinian land, they are now resorting to the last-minute grabs before the final hour of death comes. And all we can say is, I think the world knows and they know that time is up. It's just a matter of, uh, I think, time before the world is going to intervene and put an end to this, you know, to these atrocities and this genocide that is unfolding in front of us. I'm seeing a message in our screen here. It's from uh, Birmingham, UK, and it's from uh, Faisal Sarwar. He says, I'm listening to Sirius FM. It's early here, but I enjoy program. He says, oh, my brothers and sisters in Palestine, do not be troubled. It's test of your patience. Don't worry. If no one comes to help, uh, helping uh, Palestine, surely a great reward awaits you. And those who humiliate you for them is a great punishment. Just be patient. Your leader will soon come to earth. Your good days are not far off. Perhaps um, Faisal is alluding to the fact it's a time for, you know, who to come? The Imam, well, uh, Rafi? Well, you see, Brother Shafat, yeah, we are, you know, every time we speak of this, uh, and, and, uh, but I think this time it's different. This time around, there's something brewing in the air. And I think we are reaching that point, uh, you know, of the total collapse of Zionism, uh, and, and they are waiting for the Messiah. You see, this is the big problem. I mentioned this. They are waiting for the Messiah to arrive in the year 2022. And all this is, is leading up to that, not knowing that the Messiah has already come. And I want the Christian world to understand one point very carefully. Mokheng, Mokheng, and all those, you know, the, the ACDP, and all those Christians who are supporting Israel, we want you to ask them one question. Ask the Israelis right now. 
ask the Zionists and the Jews in Israel, you are waiting for the Messiah. Is it Jesus the Messiah they are waiting for? Are they waiting for the second coming of Jesus? And, and, and the answer will be a blatant no. Because they never did accept Jesus as the Messiah. Never will they accept Jesus as the Messiah. They are waiting for another Messiah, a new Messiah, a, a first-time appearance of the Messiah. They never accepted the Messiah who was the real Messiah. They are waiting for a false Messiah to arrive. And I think it's about time the Christian world comes to this reality. But the Messiah that the Jews are waiting for is another Messiah which they consider to be their own Messiah, not Jesus. And it's about time they realize they are backing the wrong horse and that, you know, uh, they, uh, they, the Messiah that is coming is actually the false Messiah who's going to mislead them. And until we come to this realization, you know, they, you're not going to break the stranglehold that uh, the Zionist movement has on the Christian world by bluffing them about the Messiah story. This, they never did accept Jesus, peace be upon him, nor will they ever accept him. If they didn't accept him the first time, how are they going to accept him the second time? Well, I must add to your crossword puzzle there, Rafi. I got the free piece here. I know who it is. I must tell you, the Dajjal. Dajjal is the Messiah. Of course, he's the chief deceiver, 100%. <laughs> and Jesus said okay, in Matthew, brilliant. you know, he is, so, yes. he is so brilliant that he'll deceive even the very, the very elect. He's going to deceive the very elect. And I think the only people who know the truth are the people of truth. But the, the, the world will come to know, inshallah, the time is near for the lines to be drawn between truth and falsehood, and we are almost there, brother. Let's make dua, as the brother from Birmingham said, the time is near, we make Allah, dua to Allah that he speeds it up. Mina Rafik, you're absolutely brilliant. Really, I love you on the show too. Uh, you have a mashallah day, and perhaps your parting words. Well, we got the last few days of this blessed month of Ramadan. There's nothing more than dua right now. Those who are helpless, who cannot do anything physically, let's make dua at least by our dua. We don't know who's Amin, whose dua Allah will take to speed up this retribution and to bring back justice and peace in the Middle East and in the world. Amin, Amin. Now, you know when you say Amin, your son is Amin. He's the head of Sharia <laughs> Banking. And mashallah, I noticed that you're training him just like you. The other day, I just managed to see him, uh, you know, do a, a thing on the Islamic TV. And I was so impressed, uh, you know, and, and I, I take him as my son because I'm so close to you, my elder brother. Kachal Amin, I'm very, very proud of him, Rafi. Amin, make dua, inshallah. That's what we need. We need our youth to take over from where we, we you know, we're going to do it. I mean, Rafi, uh, we'll meet soon, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. I'm Rafi Hassan there, keeping us up to speed. Uh, time for us to go for a break. When we get back, hey, Sheikh Fahim will be joining us. Tully for Tully, basket for basket, we are the cheapest. Shop more springs in Boxburg. Everything under one roof. Butchery, bakery, grocer, and fruit and veg. Find us in Springs on the corner of Industry and Gold Roads, New Era. Call us on 011-813-3334. And in Pogsburg, number 47, North Rand Road. Call us on 011-914-1144. Shop more because you can shop more. 
At Hoppy's Family Pharmacy, we care for you. With everything under one roof, there's no need to go anywhere else. We provide for all chronic medication, scripts, over-the-counter medications, homeopathic, Ayurvedic, natural and herbal remedies, and a wide range of bodybuilding and health supplements. With a full in-house clinic, we also provide blood pressure monitoring, wound care, pregnancy tests, blood sugar monitoring, cholesterol monitoring, HIV testing, and flu vaccinations. Convenience is key. Free deliveries to Springs and surrounding areas. We're situated on 51 3rd Street in the Springs CBD. Contact us on 011-362-1784. That's 011-362-1784. Hoppy's Family Pharmacy, your complete healthcare center under one roof. This is Serious FM. Got 820 Central African time. Day motions are high. We are on that talk, the topic about Palestine. The messages coming from around the world this morning on our platform. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, and we, you know, add his uh, uh, emotions to the topic and his viewpoint on this is none other than our very own Sheikh Fahim. Uh, he's the director of ILS Islamic Lifestyle Solutions, writing many books also, and uh, we are, you know what, really enjoy him. Uh, there's something, I'm listening to the heartful discussion, a comment on the statement, where is uh, Saudi Arabia? We must remember that it was uh, them that gave up Palestine. It was the Caliphate that protected Al-Aqsa. The comment was, the world has uh, caught up, but I would like to give a better push and say the world will only catch up when we start openly uh, to, so, to support the call for the re-establishment of the Caliphate. Good point coming through, but our Sheikh Fahim is there. That's from Ahmad, uh, first-time listener, and he says he enjoys the program. Good program. Jazakallah khaira for that, Ahmad. And yes, uh, I can tell you, Sheikh Fahim, this topic is really hot. The fire is burning here. And Sheikh Fahim, you're going to add uh, the emotional attachment to Al-Aqsa. Emotionally, you can see our hearts burning. Sheikh Fahim, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Gee, Sheikh Fahim, you know, lovely topic, and I thought, who better than you to discuss it because you're current, you, you know, you tackle issues that are pertinent to the Ummah. We're giving you the next 10 minutes. Bismillah. Bismillah Yes, indeed. Uh, I have uh, listened to some of the statements and the comments coming from the listeners, as you mentioned now as well. Of course, we know um, that, yes, you know, the fact that the Caliphate has been, uh, I wouldn't say destroyed, but momentarily until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees, uh, it's been ceased for, for this particular moment. But we cannot, and nobody in their right senses, in their right mind who knows history, um, can not point the finger at the current Saudi regime based on uh, the certain political laws that they have. Because when it was in the hands of the Ottoman Empire and all of the empires before, it was safe. In fact, um, when we look at uh, Theodore Hutzel and his request that came to Sultan Abdul Hamid, uh, and Sultan Abdul Hamid, uh, he refused to give them land because he was aware uh, of the Zionist plot and what they were planning to do at that particular time. But yet when uh, the British allied um, with Saudi Arabia and uh, the opportunity was presented, uh, it, it didn't even take them the blink of an eye uh, to give this particular land away. And the British who were there acting as, you know, uh, the nurse 
you know, just ready to deliver the baby. And after uh, they had seized uh, that particular lamb, they seized it, uh, they gave it away, slowly took their flag away, and uh, they moved away and gave it away to uh, the Israels, uh, meaning the, the Jews, the Zionists, and the rest, they say, is history. Now, for us as Muslims, what is important for us to note, uh, for instance, in the Tariq of Dimashq of Allama ibn As-Sakir, uh, he mentions that the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam has stated that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed what lies between Al-Arish and the Euphrates and wa-khassa Palestine bit-taqdeed. And the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam mentioned that Palestine has been, has been allocated a particular barakah by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we as Muslims need to understand the importance of this. Now, Imam Al-Qurtubi mentions that one of the reasons that this place is so blessed is because of the various ambitions the Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who are buried in that vicinity. I mean, alhamdulillah, I had the opportunity to go, I think it was in uh, 20, uh, 2014 or 2015, and when you stand in this land, Brother Shafat, you know, what is so amazing, it's a place that when you stand in the haram, you know for certain that where you stand, there was most likely a prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who stood there. And that's something really, really amazing, not something we can experience in various parts of the world. But unfortunately, uh, our Muslims, we're so, uh, you know, busy climbing up the economic ladder, uh, we become so materialistic uh, that unfortunately we do not see uh, the spiritual value of these kind of places. Uh, in fact, uh, the one of the Zionist propaganda is to find people who align themselves to the Quran only and then to try and change the location of Aqsa in the minds of Muslims to Medina. For those of you who are interested in that, I wrote a reputational article against someone saying that Masjid Aqsa is not in Jerusalem, it's supposed Muslim, it says it's in Medina. Uh, and, the, you know, to take focus away. So you can read uh, the reputation on the INS. But the Holy Land is mentioned in the Quran, and that should suffice for us, uh, that it is a place, you know, this is reasoning us to, uh, to, uh, to understand its importance. I mean, apart from the Kaaba, uh, from Masjid al-Haram, it is the only holy site mentioned in the Quran. I mean, the fact that, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala displayed its significance by taking the Prophet wasallam here on the night journey, uh, that the strategic importance for it as a place for the Ummah, uh, should not be undervalued. I mean, it's one of the only documented pieces of land and earth where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gathered all of the anbiya on the night of al-Isra. Uh, so there's something really, really amazing about this land, yet unfortunately Muslims who travel the world, uh, they know we're not interested in visiting and, and building up that emotional rapport with it. Uh, Jerusalem has been referred to in the Quran as a place barakina fiha lil'alameen as well. So, you know, from, from the Islamic perspective, it's amazing. And when we get into uh, the aspect from the Islamic eschatological point of view, it's where it gets really, really interesting why we as Muslims uh, should be keeping touch with this land. Now, for instance, uh, the Prophet Aizid has mentioned, uh, in, and there are various hadith, uh, in fact, I've covered a lot of them uh, in my book uh, on the particular subject, but you see that the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has stated, when we look now currently at what's happening in Al-Aqsa, uh, how, how they are storming the masjid, I mean, these are people who are supposed champions 
of human rights, uh, it, it's absolutely ludicrous, it's bizarre that a people can come in front of the camera uh, with their one-eyed epistemology and they can tell us that they are here for peace and then assume that we are all blind to the realities of the oppression uh, that's taking place. And who in their right minds, I mean, uh, you know, Justice, Chief Justice McQueen, uh, I was quite shocked that a person who is in charge of our judicial system here in South Africa, uh, he is very happy to give all of his support to this particular place. So are they blind to reality or are they internal uh, structures uh, and avenues of perception and reception that close? Now, the Prophet Ali mentioned, and you'll find the narration in the Muslim of Imam Ahmed as well, uh, that uh, a part of my ummah will not cease in fighting at the gates of Damascus and at the gates of Jerusalem and its surroundings. The desertion of whoever deserts them will, will find no harm uh, in them in the least. They will remain upon the trip until the final hour arrives. SubhanAllah, look at that. Uh, you know, this fighting of theirs, uh, it will be a ceaseless fighting, and they're going through it. I mean, if you look at since 1948, uh, what's been happening there is absolutely uh, astounding. Now, what we also know is that the Prophet Ali has mentioned to us, and this is one of the most important points that I want to drive uh, to our listeners you know, all over the world today. What contributions can we make? How can we assist? You know, we say we're living very far, we can't go there. Well, listen to this particular narration in the Surah of Ibn Majah, another one in Ibn uh, Sunan of Abu Dawood as well. Uh, it mentioned that uh, Maimuna bin Sa'ad, radiallahu anha, she actually asked the Prophet Aftina fi Baytul Maqdis. I mean, what's the fatwa, as we would say, right? The Messenger said, Awdul Mahshar wal Manshar. This is the land. Uh, of a resurrection, right, in the Hashar and so forth. And then the command of the Messenger Muslims should visit it there for prayer. And then she asked a very valid question. If one of us cannot visit it, what should we do? And that's our situation. We can't visit it. What shall we do? The Messenger said, if one cannot visit it, uh, then what we should do is we cannot go to prayer then send some oil to be used for its lamps. It will be as if we prayed in that particular place. Now, look at what an important thing that the Prophet said. He didn't say just make dua. He said send some particular kind of contribution. And oil in those days will have various functionalities. It's like our electricity of today very much. So the Messenger was actually asking his ummah that if you cannot go there, at least make a contribution to that place. And this is a very, very important point. Now, lastly, what I will say in my allotted time is many Muslims are aware, uh, for instance, of the Balfour Declaration. But what most people don't realize is prior to the Balfour Declaration was something else that took place that even allowed the Balfour Declaration uh, to come into place. And that was the Sykes-Ticket Agreement, which took place uh, between 1915 uh, and uh, 1916, in which representatives of France and UK, they met to effectively, it was a secret meeting at that time, information later revealed, it was uh, done effectively to divide the Arab provinces of the Ottoman Empire outside of the Arab Arabian Peninsula into areas of 
future British and French control or influence. And this came to be known as the Sykes-Pickett Agreement in 1916. And lo and behold, as a result of that, we had the Balfour Declaration in 1917. And when you ask Jews today, those Zionists, they say, we have the Balfour Declaration. Israel is ours. Wrong. That is a lie. Because the Balfour Declaration makes no mention of Israel. It mentions a Palestine. So if you want to recognize the Balfour Declaration, you must also recognize that Israel was not even known as a state at that time, but Palestine was. You see, it's a paradox of their own making. But unfortunately, this is a subject that is very close to my heart as well. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it's a passion that is required. If we as Muslims don't buck up right now, we will see the loss of that land. It will be gone, and we'll just carry on living our lives as if nothing happened. If that is the case, if that is the situation of the spiritual inertia that we have, we really have to look deep within ourselves and ask, what has become of the Ummah of the Prophet And we can see this holy land being desecrated, and we just go about, you know, strutting around as if nothing happened, at least make dua, at least make a contribution, at least create awareness. Use your social media feed. Don't worry about being embarrassed by those people who follow you because at the end of the day, when you go into your cover, they're not going to follow you there to help you and assist you with the question. How are you going to face your own? So, my respected brothers and sisters, those who are listening from all over the world, this is a time for us to stand united against the Zionist propaganda, uh, against the various things, and we must hold places like Saudi Arabia and the leadership there, the supposed custodians, uh, and ask them that instead of investing millions and hundreds of millions in buying arms from the U.S. and in going to Disneyland with their princes, what are they doing for our Palestinian brothers and sisters? So these are important questions, but in the end, inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his plan will prevail. And when the Dajjal does make himself uh, or is announced from that particular land, uh, most of us won't even know about it because our eyes are not fixated on the splendor of this place. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect the Palestinian Muslims and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us hidayah to assist them even if it is uh, a dua from us. I tell you, Sheikh Fahim, absolutely comprehensive, and alhamdulillah, I felt your sincerity. Allah give you the power. Perhaps, yeah, when the caliphs come, we need uh, Sheikh Fahim in the, yeah, in the command council. Sheikh Fahim, Allah bless you as always, and uh, really, you do justice to all your topics. Uh, once again, I'll let you have a second parting words, uh, Sheikh Fahim. Yes, you know, again, I, I cannot reiterate and reinstate the point that this land is connected to the feud, to the past of the Muslims with the stories of the prophets, either directly or indirectly. It is connected to the present, what's happening now, and our future. Uh, the prophecies that have been linked to this particular land, remember the fact that it is the land of Hashar. This is the land that we're going to gather uh, on the day of Qiyamah, according to the Hadith, according to the Tafatir. So, why would you not want to ensure that this land is protected? And when you stand in that land, that it can be testimony that in your lifetime you stood for it. Inshallah, that should be enough. So let's make dua. Let's try and assist all the brothers and sisters who are involved. And most importantly, use your social media feed to create awareness. 
Young Muslims don't know what's going on, and many of them have, you know, they, they have compassion in their heart. Let's try to open that up in the means of da'wah, inshallah. Inshallah, Sheikh Fahim. Yes, there has been a paradigm shift now. They are conscientized of what's going out, and perhaps the Israeli regime, the apartheid regime, is being caught out. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh Fahim. I'll talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I tell you people, this has been a treat this morning. The Palestinian issues, all mashallah. And next up will be our very own Abu Bakr Sidat, the professori. What has he in store for us? So let's go take a break. EMI Auto Parts, specialists in quality genetic replacement parts suitable to fit BMW, Mini and Merc vehicles. Affordability is key. Deliveries done nationwide. EMI Auto Parts pledges to offer money-back guarantees. Integrity is part of our fiber, and in turn, Stifer give you the best service you would expect. Call us. Boxburg, 061-506-4812 or Polo Kwane on 015-291-1099. EMI Auto Parts. Remember the name. Gosh, this car is giving me lots of trouble. I think I'll have to pay a visit to Zero Cars and give myself a reliable one. With over 10 years of experience and a super reputation in the motor industry, we at Zero Cars have the ability to source the right vehicle and arrange the financial package that will allow you to purchase the car that you always dreamed of. For the best service in sales and trade-ins, Zero Cars will put you behind the wheel of your dream car. So visit us at our two conveniently located dealerships at Zero Cars, Rangeview Road and Duval Hatting Road, Apex Benoni. Call over. 10-594-3633 Our auto showroom at 23 Catalina Avenue, Rhodesfield, Kempton Park. Call 010-593-7823 Zero Cars, putting you safely on the road. Broadcasting live from the East End, this is Sirius FM. 24 hours a day, sharing the peace and light of Islam. www.seriousfm.net Yes, sir, people, we have left, we have left the best for the last. And Alhamdulillah, what a show we're having this morning. It's all there, you can see. Palestine, Philistine, it's there, it's right in front of us. And Abu Bakr, see that? Yes, he's going to put the cherry on top. Abu Bakr, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Muslim News, and tell me, how are you doing this fine, a beautiful morning? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yeah, with the mercy and grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we are in the mercy and grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we pray that you and the listeners and the people of Palestine and the Muslims throughout the world uh, will be enjoying the grace and mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the test that we are going through, I think, not only the Palestinians, but I think every Muslim with a conscience, every human being with a conscience, must uh, be going through this trauma of being uh, put, uh, that we are being put through by the Zionist uh, entity of Israel and its uh, occupying forces in the small microcosm of the world called Palestine. Gee, the attack on Masjid al-Aqsa is carrying on. It is now a week since the onslaught started on Masjid al-Aqsa. 
Over the week, it has escalated and the Zionist forces have been brutal in the execution of violence against men, women and children. The only object of these violent incursions is to intimidate the Palestinians into submission. They are being dispossessed of their homes, which they have occupied for decades. They are being dispossessed of their land and olive orchards, which they have harvested for decades. They are being dispossessed of their human dignity for the last seven decades. They are being dispossessed of their right to existence on the land they have occupied for centuries. Everything that pertains to ethnic cleansing has been systematically symbolized by the occupation that commenced in the foreign office of the British-mandated territory of Palestine in the aftermath of the First World War. Jishafat Ahmad, I think all your guests have been speaking about Palestine, the Sykes-Picot Agreement. I think we must see where the problem was. And, uh, you know, when General Allen B., when he crossed, the, and he still got that name there in, uh, when you go from uh, Jordan to try and cross into Palestine, they got the Allen B. Bridge where the border is. And uh, this was the person who occupied Palestine, and when he went to the grave of uh, Salahuddin, and he told Salahuddin that now the Crusades are back, right? And uh, I think Sheikh Fahim also have spoken about the Sykes-Picot Agreement, where the, the capitulation of uh, the Arabs, especially especially those in the Hijaz, and uh, Sheriff Hussein, and uh, uh King Saud and uh, all the Arabs who capitulated uh, to the uh, bribery and the British, yes, and the bribery and capitulated to the Sykes-Picot Agreement, Shabbat Ahmed. Then, uh, you know, with the collapse of the Ottoman Empire, the Caliphate, I think uh, we as Muslims and uh, those Arabs, I wouldn't say all of them, but uh, the leadership of the Arab nations were the ones uh, who really sold out the Muslims and uh, gave into the machinations of uh, the British and the French people. Everything in uh, Palestine pertains to ethnic cleansing, and uh, this has been... Uh, the plight of the Palestinians and it has been brought together in the neighborhood of Sheikh Jarrah in East Jerusalem. To Muslims throughout the world, this and its surrounding, this area and its surrounding, that is Al-Aqsa and its surrounding is revered as the territory known as Al-Quds. During the last week, as worshippers gathered for the Isha and Tarawi prayers, the Nazi equivalent of the Israeli occupation forces have carried out a relentless act of abuse and violence against an unarmed civilian population. More than 90,000 devotees gathered on the 27th night of Ramadan to search for Laylatul Qadr, the night of destiny. It all came to a head in Sheikh Jarrah. Six families were ordered to vacate the homes they had occupied for decades to hand them over to the Zionist settlers who had no right to steal the homes. The community protested this gross grand theft, and this theft has been carrying on for the last 70 years, since 1948. 
where Israeli uh, Palestinian territory has been annexed and taken by the Zionist forces. The eviction orders were approved by a Zionist court in violation of international law. The occupying Nazis do not have a right to evict or disrupt settled indigenous communities. I think while we cry also, we must turn and look at the, our Palestinians' brother, brothers and sisters. Mm. You know, their tenacity, their capacity to withstand such horrible, uh, and uh, they are defenseless, but yet uh, those stones become bullets in their hands. And that's why the Zionists uh, fear them so much, you know, that they'll try and break the arm of the person that threw a stone, a little piece of stone. And uh, this is what they have been systematically doing, abusing human rights uh, also. And on the other hand, just because uh, the Palestinians and uh, throughout the world, we are reciters of the Kalima la ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, that they cannot withstand that this is the religion of Allah, the true religion that will one day come to be their Moses also, Shabbat this is how things are carrying on in Afghanistan and I think we are in this last few days of Ramadan we should uh, make a lot of dua while and give charity and let Allah help them because they are at the forefront the Palestinians are at the forefront of safeguarding Masjid al-Aqsa for the Muslims uh, and for humanity at large also because this is a treasure because it is the third holy place of the Muslim of the Islamic religion, the religion of the world, and uh, the sanctity of this place has been desecrated by these people who went in with their boots and uh, desecrated uh, a holy site, and uh, then they call themselves civilized. But I think uh, mm. at the beginning of the program, you were very emotional, and I think uh, well, I'm I did. going I was finished, day, but nevertheless... I was finished. Hey, I tell you, I fell down. Uh, lucky Sabiha was next to me. Other than there was yeah. a, been a big blank on the radio, you'll hear Shafat crying like a baby, Abu. No, no, no. But I think those uh, those are sincere tears of uh, uh, anguish that uh, we expressed, and uh, we we lay our case to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala mm. that uh, help us, you know.
because these guy, these people cannot carry with uh, impunity what they are doing. You know, they were the, the, partly the victims of the Nazis, but the same Nazi tactics they are uh, using to uh, try and annihilate uh, the Muslims of Palestine. They will never succeed with all their technology and their arms and their ammunition and with the support of uh, the United States and the European Union. Allah has uh, put some uh, strength and uh, tenacity in uh, the people of Palestine in, in the beautiful, as Allah says, that we have blessed the place of Al-Quds, right? Al-Aqsa and uh, Shafat has a very interesting uh, analysis, which I think uh, I'll be failing in my duty if I don't uh, refer our listeners to it. There's a series of lectures by Molana Ridwan Kaji uh, called The Secrets of the Holy Land. And uh, the analysis of uh, Al-Quds and uh, the Gaza Strip and uh, Mashil Aqsa it's just phenomenal, and I think we would we wouldn't find it in uh, any of the books that uh, we want to do research on Masjid um, Al-Aqsa or in Palestine. But uh, if you go to uh, Islamic solution uh, reflections, I think so, and uh, you can download the lectures there. It will give us a completely different understanding of what is taking place and uh, where we are being prepared for victory. And uh, Sheikh uh, Anwar Olaki also said that Muslims must prepare themselves for victory because uh, Allah Ta'ala is on our side. And I think we are on the right side of history. In fact, that journalist was being uh, uh, was uh, being uh, arrested, was asking one of the soldiers that, uh, why are you on the wrong side of history? Do you, when you were young, did you want to become an oppressor? And are you teaching your children also to become oppressors? And this is the human factor that we must all take into consideration. Gee, to you and the listeners and everyone. Abu, 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 you're not going yet. You're not going yet because you tickle my brains. You know, you said that those children had rocks in their hands. They have stones in their hands. You remember the story of David and Goliath? David slew Goliath with what? With pebbles. He knocked him with a sling. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is going to happen, Abu. And you hit the nail on the head there. And as you said, the empathy, the sympathy. If you are not feeling the pain, then there's something wrong with you. You have to feel the pain. And Abu, with your professionalism, and Alhamdulillah, I told you, the professori will put the cherry on the top. You did it, Abu. You did it beautifully. And you know what? We have hold each other. No, no. Alhamdulillah, I'm glad, I'm glad. I told you, you'll always be part of our team and you'll be our professori. You overlook us and hey, 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 that's not, let's add that in and you added everything. Now, Abu, now you have your parting words. Bismillah. Gee, inshallah, Allah ta'ala make it easy. I think we must carry on making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he changed the hearts of those who are perpetrating this, uh, uh, atrocities. If there is hidayat in there, uh, destiny, then give them hidayat, otherwise you must destroy them. As, uh, we destroyed the Ard and the Samud. And, so, uh, to the listeners of, uh, Sirius FM and all, to all, all the management and to yourself, Fatima, 
If it is uh, Eid on Thursday, we wish you a very pleasant Eid. And remember the people of Palestine and the world, everyone who is suffering in the world. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to our Abu Bakr. See that, alhamdulillah, beautiful, beautiful, uh, you know, uh, input by him. And I really appreciate everyone that came in from the morning right to Abu till he put the cherry on the top. This show, I mean, uh, we're not giving ourselves accolade, but it, the Allah's uh, barakah. Allah gave us the barakah. Allah gave us the spirit. And remember, we are sincere in whatever we do. Yusuf Asmal, you again, a brilliant engineering. Allah bless you. And uh, to all of you that uh, sent in messages this morning, a big jazakallah khair to you, you and you. And uh, yes, keep it locked on to Sirius FM for beautiful broadcasting and lovely nasheeds interspersed. This is your Ramadan radio station. And yes, lift up your hands and pray for the people of Palestine. Hey, you know, Yusuf? That Nasheed, I can't forget many, many years ago. I was a grapevine in Palestine, a cut of the trees and who? Even that made me cry, Yusuf. If you played it now, I'll cry again. But anyway, keep the spirit, people. Till we meet you again, the team and I bid you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Broadcasting live from the East Rand. This is Sirius FM, 24 hours a day, sharing the peace and light of Islam. www.suriusfm.net